good to see you guys. Uh, obviously, I am not Pastor Jared. Uh, he is not feeling well this morning, and so I, I'm gonna. I want to say, luckily, just because it's for me. He asked me to speak, but not lucky because he's sick. We don't ever want that, obviously, especially in the era of COVID. Now, if anyone's sick, it's like you have leprosy. I mean, nothing is like I I, I do our kids church here and then I'm uh, to help pay the bills. I do some personal training at Fitness Connection. And so nothing is goofier than when someone sits there and they're working out and then they just and then it's like, I don't have COVID. And I'm like, it's. It's fine. It's allergies. It's Houston. Okay, hello. Houston just seems to always be trying to kill us, whether it's through uh, rain or allergies. It's always trying some to, some way. So, yeah, so we obviously we want to pray that he feels way better. And so he asked me to speak. And so I am, like, beyond, like, crazy excited. Like, I, I just could not even, like, it was so hard to go to sleep last night because it was just like a... You know, it's, ah, ah, okay. I need to stop or I'm going to blabber. So let me pray. We'll pray over the message or over the message and then we'll go forward. So Lord Jesus, thank you for so much that that sentence for me is more loaded than probably everyone even knows or imagines. God, I'm so excited that you've entrusted me with this message. And all I speak now is that I don't even say one more word. But now it's the Holy Spirit, you, working through me. That I'm just the vessel. I'm just the messenger. But the message, God, let it come from you. And so, God, I am... So excited, and I just pray that you just use this to help change people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And apparently, Siri was just as excited because she decided she wanted to talk during all this, so let's make sure she doesn't do that ever again. How many of you like new stuff? New stuff, okay? Now, my mom is probably the exact opposite we joke because she has a very, uh, very much a Puerto Rican accent. So it's not vintage stuff. She always says vintage. I like the vintage. She likes to even take these, these newer pieces. And the first thing that she does is beats them up and makes them vintage. But in, in essence, though, she's taking something new, made it old, and now made it new because she's changed it. So I, of course, love some new things too. I mean, hello, iPhone comes out every year and I'm the, the dork that's like watching, you know, the, the presentation online. Can't wait to go get it. Ladies, new clothes, new shoes. Man, y'all are like afraid to amen. Man, your husbands must be keeping you on check, which I can tell you right now, that ain't the truth at all. Because I know my wife, every time it's like, oh, we have to go do, it doesn't matter. Just insert event here. Okay. Somebody throw something out, insert an event. Give me some type of anything. It'd be even mundane. Give me something. Anybody. A what? 
a, see, look, she already knows. She goes, a date. Yep. So what happens when I go, okay, hey, I'm going to take you out Friday. It's going to be cool. She'll be like, all right, cool. It's going to, and I'll be like, hey, it's going to be a, a nicer one. And then the first thing that she has to do now is has to have a new outfit because now all of this has been instantly disqualified. And I'm like, how? Didn't you just, no, 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 I got, it can be anything. Got to get something new. Guys, let me, let me kind of go a little bit more your way. New TV. See, now the guys are like, I got to play this one carefully. Or a new truck, new car. Oh, see, there we go. There we go. We like new. Old is not really great. I mean, even if, even if we talk vehicles, it's like, yes, you can get like this awesome older vehicle, but it's like, but I'm barely going to drive it, barely going to do anything. It's more, for, it's more for show, right? Well, God actually likes new a whole lot too. And so we're going to jump in to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse, starting in verse 16, it says this. It says, from now on then, we do not know anyone in a purely human way. Even if we have known Christ in a purely human way, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who do not know sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. The title of my message today is The Beauty in Ashes. Now, looking at this verse that I just read, uh, uh, this is a very, very popular verse. A lot of people love to quote this, you know, God takes the old and he makes it new. And if we're going to kind of go with how the church tends to look at this verse, I'm going to kind of show you that there's like three different ways that we can apply this changing from one thing to something else. And one of them that the church loves, it's like the, the church's absolute favorite is the miraculous instant transformation. It's like they show up one way, they have one encounter with God and boom, Everything's completely different. Kind of like, in, in the way I like to kind of picture it for you guys, it'd be like the process of a butterfly. Starts off as an egg, into the caterpillar, into the cocoon, and then we get the big, pretty, beautiful butterfly. 
we actually have some uh, milkweeds in our in our garden, and so it's like we get the caterpillars, and so of course we're all excited because it's like ooh butterflies. Not realizing, just by the way, the uh, monarchs, those caterpillars are one of the most destructive suckers you will ever see, because it's like you get one, and it's like oh this plant's dead, because it's gonna eat the whole thing. It's incredible, just because it just goes and goes and goes, and then it just completely just complete crazy metamorphosis transformation. I mean, it goes from something that crawls to something that flies. So the church looks at this and, and we go, yeah, that's, that's what we want. That's what, that's what we hope for. We hope that, that the sinners can walk in and they pray one time and poof. Everything's better. And it happens. I'll be very honest. We have, I have seen people come to the altar as a drug addict and they leave set free. Like, no rehab. They don't go through withdrawal. It's like, bam. And I'm like, that, that's nice. Because for me, it's not like that. Okay. I've seen people who are just complete worst of the worst. And you would then think after one service that they've been in church their whole life. Now, this is incredible. This is awesome. That is the power of God. That they were in Christ in that one moment and bam, they're brand new. But can I, can I be honest with you guys if that's okay? It's pretty rare that that happens. Not saying that it doesn't. But it's just, just rare. Kind of more of the process that actually happens with someone who maybe doesn't know God and then gets in Christ. Or uh, we, could even, we could even take it a whole different way. Maybe you grew up in church and then you kind of hit that point where you get, get serious, if that makes sense. Okay, it's like, okay, I've been going to church my whole life. Let's, let's actually try to do this, where I'm not just going to become you know, someone who just attends, but let me actually try to go and get into the Word, to get more of God, to build the relationship. The process looks more like us as humans. It's more of like the human infants. And then we begin to change. We begin to grow. We start off as the itty bitty babies and then become full blown adults. Remember when we, our daughter was born, she was born two months early. So she was four pounds, seven ounces. I mean, I'd walk around the house carrying her almost like a football because she was so itty bitty. Now she's 12. And I feel old because now she has to have a phone and, and AirPods and is concerned with what's happening at school and talking about Snapchat. And I'm like, bleh, bleh. but there's this growth process. And, and even then with that, the Bible actually kind of alludes to this a little bit more 
because it even says that as we start off in our relationship with Christ, uh, it, it uses like the term of, hey, you need spiritual milk because you're such an infant. And we see this in two spots. We see it in Hebrews chapter 5, 11 through 14. And again, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, where it talks about, hey, you're the spiritual infant right now, but then as you begin to develop, you're going to move into more spiritual solid food because you're able to discern things. So even the Bible realizes, okay, there's this other process that happens, but the reason why I kind of go with this and not really the butterfly, because yes, the butterfly is quick, it's, it's fast, it's almost instantaneous, but really just like any child, it takes years. This is not a, cool, congratulations, you took our discipleship class, you're now ready to go. It's not that at all. It's cool. Now that you've taken that one, we got to get you in a men's group, and then we got to get you in the women's group. Or if you're a teenager, we got to get you in here because we got to keep developing you pretty much all the time, just like a kid. And to even go with this, there's even growth spurts. Listen, my my son, my goodness. <laughs> Homie can eat. And then there's growth spurt, David. And that's a put a lock on the pantry, put a lock on the refrigerator. You think I'm joking. There is a lock on our pantry that he's learned to pick. No one has sat him down and said, life lesson, let's learn how to be a thief. No. We put a lock. He figured it out. We have to have this magnetic lock all the way to the top of the door that he can't reach. But someone started to figure that out. Wait a minute. I keep seeing dad grab this thing here and he puts it there. And the door opens. And the only way you know he's about to do it is because you just hear that chair dragging. And I'm like, I got five seconds to stop this kid. I mean, yesterday I wake up to go play disc golf with the men. 7.30 in the morning, I pop out of bed, walk out in the living room, and homie's just sitting there watching TV, eating food. And I go, buddy, you're not doing, because he has like his little playroom. I'm like, you're not doing any of this right. And he goes, what? I'm not supposed to have this? And I didn't even know he was holding something. He goes, I'm not supposed to have this? And the homie's got a Pepsi that he's halfway drank. 7.30 in the morning. And I'm like, I, okay. But just like even that, that can be our own spiritual development, that we sit there and we can hear these messages from Pastor Jared, from Pastor Kevin, from Pastor Jay, and there might be times that we're going, oh, I'm not supposed to have this? Oops. And that's okay. Can I just, can I just make it easy? It's okay to screw up, because guess what? You're going to... I'm going to, Pastor Kevin's going to, all of the pastors here are going to, 
I'm willing to bet of our pastors, half of them will do it today. <laughs> Pastor Jay's like, yeah, I am. <laughs> if his wife was here, <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but we grow, develop, and it takes time. So can I just say on behalf of the exchange, you have time. I was going to add more to that and then just realize I should just stop. You have time. You have time to develop. You have time to figure out your relationship with God because it's personal. It's one-on-one. It's not a cookie cutter thing. It's not the way that I see God, hear God, feel God is the same way that you will. And because of that, we have to now be patient with everyone. That just because I'm at one point with God doesn't mean that you have to be at that same point. It doesn't mean that you have to be in front of me. It doesn't mean you have to be behind me. It just, you be where you're supposed to be in your relationship, in your process with God. And for others, it's going to be fast. My daughter went from itty bitty four pounds, seven ounces to I'm pretty sure homegirl is going to be taller than I am, which if you know me, I am totally cool if you're taller than I am, especially guys. But for some reason, when a girl's taller than me, I'm like, "Mm." no, I'm not the tallest guy in the world. But yet still, I'm like, okay. First day I met my wife, by the way, everyone's like, oh, what's the first thing you thought when you met your wife? Because she's pretty much my height, but she was wearing heels. And the first thing that I thought wasn't this, oh my word, she's the most beautiful woman in the world. Remember I said half the pastors are going to mess up. I'm going to go ahead and announce I'm about to do it. I wasn't like, oh my word, that's the woman I'm going to marry. No, first thought, crap, she's taller than I am. So my daughter is going to be probably a giant. And she went from a preemie baby, like when they do the little growth chart, it was like, oh man, she's all the way near the bottom, but you know, she's a preemie, so we got to give her time. And now she buys clothes and I'm like, I thought I had a little girl, not a woman. We go to do laundry at the house and I am this close to being done. Why? Because I grab underwear and I have to go, I don't know whose this is. I don't know if this is Elena's or my daughter's. That makes me want to throw up. (laughs) I'm about to have a, here's Reuben and David's laundry pile and here's the girls. I'm not touching this. But she just... (laughs) Super tall, super fast. Went from preemie to like on the top half. She's one of the tallest in her class. And I'm like, okay. But then you have others who just don't grow as fast. But guess what? I'll tell you the same thing that I tell a lot of my clients. And that's, I don't care what's happening in your process, in your development, as long as there's progress. Whether it's 100%. And so we look at, this verse and we, okay, that's what the church sees a lot. Okay, we're, we're taking from young to 
uh, we're, we're raising adults or we're getting these miraculous transformations. And either way of those two things that you look at, there's one big key part to all of this. And that is, and we'll kind of put the verse back up on the screen. It's, it's like, but I'm, and I've done like some little goofy stuff with, I'm trying to highlight a section of it, but the key part of that spiritual change is if anyone is in Christ. See, that wasn't my Siri. That's somebody else's Siri who's very excited. I love it. As long as you're in Christ, change is coming. I mean, we just sang the song over here, just talking about how we want him in the center and just even how when he just shows up. I mean, there's so many times in the Bible when Jesus shows up, stuff happens. Even if they didn't want him, he showed up. They're like, no, 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 we don't want you. You got to go. And then like a riot would jump up or he would show up and people are just like, please heal this child. Something changes. The moment that Christ is around, stuff changes. Now, like I said, there's those two ways that the church really takes that verse in Corinthians. You know, God takes the old and he makes it new. Then I kind of realized, looking at it, even if you take the instant transformation, the butterfly process, or you look at from infant to adult, you know, the human growth process, it both really isn't from old to new as it is from young to old. Does that make sense? We're not like, yes, it is new. It's a new version, but it's a part of... We started here in life, and now we're over here in life. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I just kind of said, hey, that's part of the process. We, we even talked about there's some verses with the human growth part of it, or the passage that we just read that says that God was reconciling the world to himself. So... Yes, there's this growth, but for Jesus, the whole reason why he came was, yes, so that the church could grow, that we could build our relationship with him, but one of his big things was just reconciling the world. In other words, saying, I'm going to take exactly what you are, where you are, in the middle of a process, and change it for the better. That you could be on this growth path and now there's like this hard turn that takes place. Really, it's just about how God really wants to forgive. He wants to love. Now, let me say this. This is something that the church really claims to love. But notice I said the word claim. Whether you believe me or not, you can actually ask two of our people who have my notes. I actually put insert awkward silence here. Because the church claims to love reconciliation. Yeah, that's what Jesus did. That's what the whole cross was for. 
the cross, the cross, the cross. I remember when I started off in ministry, older people would come up to me and just go, if you don't know what to preach, if you don't know what to say, your sonny, just preach on the cross. Cool. But if, like, the church really believed that, like, and I'm not saying, like, our church, I'm just saying, like, the, all the churches as a whole, wouldn't they all be filled with, like, some of the most messed up people you've ever met? Like, if the church really claims to love this ministry of reconciliation, wouldn't the church just be full of a bunch of drug dealers and thieves? Like, wouldn't it be full of, like, a bunch of gangsters and prostitutes and strippers? I said that, and then, like, probably half the guys were like, the church should be full of a lot more strippers. <laughs> Took a second. <laughs> Not saying that they should be working. Wow. It would be full of the worst of the worst. But why isn't that the way it is? Church claims to love it. Jesus forgives. We forgive. Then why? It's because it's icky. I mean, because let's just be honest, if you invite a bunch of thieves to your church, you know what's going to end up happening in your church? Stuff's going to get stolen. Because remember, they're starting a process. Like, you don't expect the infant to come out walking and talking. I mean, ladies, just imagine if you gave birth to full-grown adults. See, it's like, mm-hmm. Like, I, I had a client that she's had a 10-pound baby, and I was like, oof. And then in my head, I'm like, can you imagine just my son's 50 pounds? Like, just now go with that. Well, just imagine if you had a 50-pound kid who came out walking, talking, super hungry, and severely ADHD. The problem is that then we, we can't deal with that beginning part, the icky part. We can't deal with the infant stage, let alone a whole lot of them. A bunch of Christians, I mean, honest, and I'm saying this, and yes, it's partly to be funny, but I'm, I'm being very truthful at the same time. It's having a bunch of Christians that are just, they don't know what else to do but to poop on themselves. That they need to be fed. They can't even feed themselves. Someone has to walk them through this process to get them going, to go from spiritual milk to solid food. But the problem is that means the church has to do the baby, like the diaper changing part and the waking up at three in the morning part. And no one really likes that part, even in real life. I say that as our mom's holding a baby in the front row. She's like, preach, please, I need help. <laughs> it's weird. Some of us don't know what it's like to be addicted to drugs. So how do we help them? We don't know what it's like to maybe have depression. How do I help them? We don't know what it's like to have first 
to be someone who struggles with anxiety. We don't know what it's like to be an extrovert. We don't know what it's like to be an introvert. We don't know their specific situation. So it's like, how do I do this? But one of the things that we have to remember is that Jesus did hang out with the disciples, the most seasoned of Christians. But the Bible also talks a lot about how he hung out with the tax collector and the prostitute. To the point that the Pharisees, and let me just kind of put it in today's time, it would be, he did it so much that pastors are looking at him going, what are you doing? He knew that his whole ministry was about reconciling them. And so, once again, I can say this, and you know, you may start grasping, okay, I, I get what he's saying now. We have people who are in church, and they've got this growth process, and there's people that were, that were like, the, he's talking about the, the sinners, the ones who don't know about them out. Yes, okay, it's going to be icky, and it's fine, God, and they're, and they're going to start from nothing. We go, okay, yes, that's right. We got to help them out. Yes, okay, it's going to be icky, and it's fine. But can I tell you the hardest, probably the hardest group of all of these in this kind of changing into a new process is that someone who got in Christ and began the change and reconciling was happening and reconciliation and they were being altered and God was doing this amazing thing in their life and, and they're just going, going, going and then something happens. A mistake. Something monster in their life. Just some life-changing event happens. And they go from, I'm a caterpillar to a cocoon, and I'm about to come out as a butterfly, and I ended up somehow back into the cocoon. And as they do this, what they start to think and feel is this, yes, I, I love God. I'm in God. I know that God loves me. But I really screwed up. I was heading in the process. I was moving on up and I got thrown off. Honestly, what it is is that they just feel damaged. How, how do you help show someone that they can be made new again? when they were being made new. And then because of an event or multiple events or one mistake or multiple mistakes or maybe a mistake mixed with a divorce, mixed with a, with a now I'm struggling with depression, with a disease, like a stock that was on the rise takes them from being, man, I was on the up and up. I was like a stock that was on the rise. 
I felt like I was Bitcoin, just, and now I feel like I'm AMC movie theaters. Yeah, God, God loves me. Yeah, I'm saved. Yeah, I've, I've been redeemed, but my value is completely and totally diminished. So yeah, I, I once was new. That verse made sense at one point in my life. And now it, I, I screwed it up. I stopped it. I get hung up at this spot because this is where I sit at my computer and I, as I type my notes and I ask God and I pray, oh, where, where do you want it to go? And God goes, now insert your story here. And I'm like, I don't want to. I'm just going to be honest with you. 2020 sucked. Like, and I say that and everyone's like, yeah, quarantine. No, I'm talking even before that. Like, I started 2020 so rough and badly that like, I'm talking like New Year's Eve at midnight. I had already said, oh, 2020 is going to be rough. Like, this is going to be a very hard year. And just, once again, being real, like, stuff is getting worse and worse and worse. <laughs> and right where I feel like I'm pretty much at rock bottom, I'm going to start trying to, okay, now we can start trying to pull this up. One of our favorite words that we never thought we would learn to hate, and that's when quarantine happens. And I don't know if you can tell, but I am very extroverted. You can't put an extrovert in quarantine and think he'll be fine. I was the guy looking at my wife going, like, we're talking like day, day two of quarantine. Hey, um, honey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to H-E-B. What do you need to go to H-E-B for? Uh, we're low on peanut butter. Ruben, we have like half a jar. Close enough. I need to get out of here. <laughs> like, I just... Ugh. I felt... I felt my value every day dropping. 
felt like I had taken something that God had been working on at that point 20 years. And in a few moments, I took something that God was making new every day, making better every day, 20 years. And I broke it. And right when I realized, oh, I need help. Spiritually, professionally, physically, every way. Now stay stuck at home. And if you talk to someone, you're going to kill them. (laughs) That's what it felt like. I can't go to church and have someone pray for me because we can't have church. (laughs) I can't go to one of my friends because his mom has an autoimmune deficiency and they can't risk it. I can't worship through because there's no worship. Just dropping to this insanely low point for me. And so I try to do my best. I tried to just figure out and realize that everything that I had been doing up to that point no longer worked. That's hard to have a relationship with God for 20-something years and then realize you have to start over. And I don't even mean like even just a relationship with God, just anything. Just take anything. Take, just take your job. You've been doing it for 20 years and now you got to start over. Take, take a relationship. You go 20 years, you got to start over. And that, that's what I felt like. I felt like everything, every decision that I was making brought me to this bad low point. And so now I must rethink everything. And I have to do it by myself. Now, like I said earlier, I'm a trainer. Also, I said my son's ADHD, he's severe. Well, I also start 2020 going to the doctor because my, at the time, my wife's like, hey, I'm wondering if you're struggling with depression. I'd like you to go to the doctor. I do. The doctor's like, no, life sucks. That's, that's why you're sad. 
but I want to test you for something else, if that's okay. And I'm like, cool. And then depending on how you want to word it, I either like super passed or epically failed an ADHD test. So nothing like being 36 and then finding out, oh, by the way, you have this mental disorder that makes it hard for you to think. And I'm like, and life makes so much sense. I remember the first time they gave me some ADHD stuff. I looked at my wife and I go, this is what you guys think like? This is amazing. You can think on command? I've just been kind of like winging it. How am I still alive? Well, one of the things that I started doing was I did what a lot of people do. And that was, I got to fill time somehow. My fence was falling over. So I was like, I'm going to rebuild the fence. I've helped someone do it before. So I'll just do it again. My wife's like, I'll help you. And I was like, please don't. <laughs> I need something to do. I don't care if this project lasts a week. Hopefully quarantine will be over in a week. Now look how funny that statement is. So I rebuild it. And I was like, actually, that was, that was kind of fun. Sorry. Oh, we have another, we have another, how many more months of this? What? I thought this was going to be like a, like a 10 day thing. Wait a minute. We're talking months now. Okay. Time to start another one. I just kept just messing and honestly just got really into woodworking. And just in my epic boredomness of just YouTubing things at night, because it's like, I don't know how many times I was like either texting Brian McCullough or just stalking his Instagram. Did he do that? Okay, I got to try now. <laughs> and I found this process called Sosugiban because I'm just weird, so why not? And it's like this Japanese process of something that they do with wood. And, and God really showed me something with this. So I'm going to kind of show you guys. So please uh, be patient with me if it's like, okay, he's dragging this part out. Or uh, I'll even go with what somebody said earlier. They, they saw me or they saw this stuff out and they were like, are we doing arts and crafts today? And then one of the other guys was like, well, that is the kid's pastor. So... It makes sense. Kind of, but more manly. Because I have a blowtorch now. <laughs> Men are like, all right, I'm paying attention. Oh, thank you. So this is what God was showing me. Is that we've got this just a piece of cedar for a fence. I sanded it so, because, I mean, smooth. So it looks real, real nice, real pretty. This has got a great job. It's, it's when, if, before it was cut, this guy is going to now, if taken care of, can provide some beauty in the backyard, going to give you some privacy. 
In my case, try to keep the baseballs from flying out of the yard. But now my son's new thing is if he hits the ball over the fence, it's a home run and he wants to hit nothing but home runs. He, he wants to be the next Mark McGuire or Hank Aaron or something like that. So I'm like, can you please stop? It's getting expensive. So this piece is good. It's usable. I mean, even, even though this is supposed to be for a fence, we could use it for quite a few different things. I mean, if uh, this stand right over here, we kind of use those same pieces to kind of make this cool little handout station, information station. And so this can be used. And then life shows up. Oh, of course you don't want to do it right now. Oh, are we going to be out today? Yep. Or did I have it? No, righty tighty, lefty loosey. Weird. So then life shows up and... Burns us a little bit. But that's, that's okay though, right? Like that can, we can, that can still go on a fence. If anything, now it's just worn and weathered right? Which is what it's going to look like a little later. Hey, we could sand that off. We're fine. We're fine. But then life just keeps going. Doesn't care how you feel. Doesn't care what you're doing. Just kind of says, no, I don't care. But even then, that's okay. We're still okay. It's going to be a little bit harder to sand off. But we, we, can, still, we can still work with this. If anything, hey, you know, it's kind of like as though you stained it without staining it. That's actually kind of cool. But I was just talking about life. What happens now when... We start adding our own personal mistakes. What happens? If on top of a quarantine, on top of dealing with a new chapter in my life of, oh, it's hard for me to think. And then I, I, I really messed up. Like I'm burning. But then there's people who don't know any better. Or even then, maybe they do. But they're really struggling. And they're trying to get out. But the problem is they're trying to get out their way and not God's way. And I'll be honest. That was me. I got to get out of this mess. Whatever I can do to feel better. I don't even care. 
whatever I got to do to feel better, even if I know it's wrong. Not realizing all I was doing was making everything so much worse. And now I'm just charred. Now what am I supposed to do? Everything that God did, everything that God made. He wanted to make new. It wasn't him. It was me. I messed it up. I set it on fire. I took something that was smooth and nice and charred it to the point that it almost looks like it's got like this lizard skin on it. burned, it's broke. Now, now, now what, God? But In those moments, there's another little side effect that's not very fun. I, I got icky. Let me kind of do my best here, holding on to a microphone while holding on to this. And, I, and if I was to go... So now, I feel... Anyone gets near me, I'm just going to pass my dirtiness and filthiness to them. Even if they try to help, they're going to get gross. They're going to get dirty. This is, this is where I belong now right in the trash. I've ruined everything. But there's this verse in the Bible that says even when we are not faithful, God still is. Because God said, no, 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 no. Yeah, bro, you're icky. 
but I see beauty in the ashes. And so, I keep trying to work on myself. I keep trying to be in God. And then I'm learning this because I'm trying to stay sane. That's the goal. I just want to not go crazy. And I'm actually doing this at home. I'm outside, it's late at night. In the backyard. Doing what I'm about to do and then God talks to me and says, Hey, you know that's you, right? You're charred, you're messed up, you're gross. Yeah, people get around you, they get dirty. But I'm not done. Tells me I'm going to renovate you. And I don't know if you've ever renovated a part of your house. The first thing that has to happen is we got to start trashing, getting rid of some stuff. We're going to rip some walls out. We're going to rip up some cabinets. I mean, if you look at any of those redoing shows, it's like they get stripped down to the studs. Like God was even telling me, he's like, listen, I got to get you down to the studs because I've, this is how God's talking to me. He goes, I have to now redo the plumbing and the electricity because right now you need a new source of power and you need a new source of life. And you're going to be bare bones for a long time. Because God also knows I am incredibly not patient. But what he started showing me is kind of what I was doing is that God said, okay. Let's start stripping. Let's start renovating. And I'm not gonna lie, I got to that and I'm going, hey God, this isn't working. And he goes, oh no, 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 just time. Time. I'm trying to make sure that this next version of you lasts. So for time's sake, I'm going to speed some stuff up. Okay. So, and you know, power tools, why not? And even though I'm at home by myself, I'm like, okay, let's start listening to podcasts. Let's, 
Let's start with listening to Stephen Furtick and helping out at the exchange anytime we could. We started trying to do our online stuff, and I was like, okay, I got to be around people, even if it's just to run a computer. And then I'm like, okay, I, I need to start developing some new habits. I've, I've been very dedicated to taking care of my physical body, but I haven't been that dedicated to taking care of my spiritual body. I kind of did my time. And so now I'm just on autopilot and that ain't gonna work no more. Then I realized I, I can't do it by myself. And that's where it got kind of like really hard because it's like, you want to lean on people, but some, some people know I'm Mickey. So maybe I should go to the people who don't know I'm gross, but then how can they help me when they don't know that I'm gross? So it's like you're trying to like talk and code the whole time. Which, I mean, if you're a guy, you kind of understand when you talk to your wife, you're like, yep, got to decipher this. But that was like me, except to other guys, which then I just felt like a traitor. Then I just realized I just need more breaks. I was just going too fast, too hard, too much. Said yes too many times. And then I would give myself away and then get mad that no one was doing it back to me, realizing that the problem wasn't them, it was me. Like I'm mad at them for me saying yes and being exhausted. See this chipping away that God started to do. Bare bones, studs. realized there was too many, too much finger pointing for me and not enough self-examination. So as goofy as this is, I started just getting into woodworking as hard as I could because then at least in the back of my head, I'm saying to myself, well, Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus also did everything for a reason. Why? And then something hit me. He was taking something in one state and changing it into something else. And then I also realized, because in this process, it's actually, it's, it's, it's very painful. You're stripping things away. You're having to admit that you've been wrong. I'm having to admit that me as a pastor, that I'm incredibly weak, that I'm spent, that I'm shot when I'm supposed to be the example for everyone else. 
So it was this blow to my pride. And then God shows me as I'm doing stuff because it was like God just kept talking to me in the garage. And he's going, yeah, like, think about it. Like, you, you take this piece of wood and the first thing you do is cut it. And you, you drill holes in it. And you sand it and you nail it. It's a constant stripping. And as I'm working on this, I start running into that. That I'm was here. Ash, gross. But God wants to strip it all away and show that there's actually beauty underneath the ashes. Now for more time's sake, I did this. I did one last night. That's no stain. That is a blowtorch. Then it's just time. And I'll be honest, here I am in the garage trying to get this ready for you, you guys. And, and it's like God just keeps talking once again back in the garage. And my hands are gross. My workbench is gross. I go inside to go use the restroom. There's ash on my face. There's probably ash on my face now. And God's like, oh yeah, it's dirty. But I found the beauty in the ash. By the way, this process, if done correctly, this wood can now last 80 years. You would think that because I burned it, now it would become weaker. Pastor Kevin, can you do me a favor? Can you, can you take this for me? And then, I, I know this is goofy, but we'll kind of like show and tell it, just kind of pass it around. And, and what I want you to realize is that not only does God take the ash and the junk, drip it, but as you get to it, I want you to feel it. Because now that piece of wood that was once completely flat now has depth. It is now unique. And then a verse comes in my head because here's the thing, I'm, I'm a work in progress. Like I said, process. And as I'm writing this down, all of a sudden a verse comes in my head where Paul says I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. Persecuted. And I just sit there and hold on to that next part. but not destroyed.
I thought I ruined everything. And God said, nope. We're just getting rid of Reuben 2.0 because I'd found Christ once already and he said, now we're working on Reuben 3.0. Because my ministry of reconciliation doesn't happen one time. The verse says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Which means that after a certain point of time, new becomes not new. God showed me that this isn't a one-time moment thing. It's a, this is an all-the-time thing. That no matter how much we mess up, I mess up, people outside of the church messes up. God doesn't see the ash. And so I, I, I don't know where you're at. I pray life is great. I pray that everything's just rocking and rolling and you and your relationship with God is incredible. But if it's not, it's not the end of the world. Because, yes, that's, that, that's one piece of wood. Cool, now, now what do we do with it? My thought is, what if the church had the idea of, let's take a bunch of these charred pieces. We bring them in the church and we start putting them together. All of these damaged people, all of these people that feel like they're no good, that their value is diminished, that God can't use them anymore. And we get a bunch of them and we get them to realize that God's not done with them yet. He's never gonna be done with them yet, that there's always something more that he can do. No matter how much damage we cause, no matter how much we go through, that God says, I still see the beauty. And then let's put a bunch of them together. Let's start making something beautiful with something that people hated or even hated in themselves. And it goes from trash to art 
it goes from ruined to a testimony. I'm no good to God's not done with me. So like I said, I, I don't know where you're at. Maybe everyone in this room is totally good. Maybe there's somebody watching online that's not. know I'm Mickey too and that's okay God's not done with me yet either yeah this the stripping and the renovating hurts soon we get to look like this. Be patient with me. Like, as in, be patient with me because I'm changing, but also I will be patient with you as you go through your process too. We'll wait together. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to do a thing of having you come down to the front or anything like that. This is this is going to be between you and God and that's it. And I only ask this question because honestly, I just want to know who to pray for. But if you, if you feel like you're kind of in that blue, messed up state, damaged, diminished, losing worth, if, if you feel like that's you, can you put your hand up and then just put it right back down? Just like a real quick raise and drop right now, if that's you. See, hands are going up. Hands are going up. That's fine. Like I said, I'm, I'm not going to go report to Pastor Jared. I'm not going to sit here and tell your business. I'm, I, I mean, I'm not even going to come up to you. If you want to come up to me, that's totally fine. But like I said, I just want to know who to pray for if that's you. of this verse again that is in Christ God has reconciled the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us God isn't holding it against you. 
If anything, he's trying to take it from you. He doesn't want to restore. He wants to start over. And those tend to last a lot longer. Lord Jesus, I just pray over everyone that's here, anyone listening, even people who have no idea that I'm even talking right now. First, I just pray that your love would just fall on every single person in this room and especially on the ones who raised their hand. And that would be me included. I, I, I'm raising my hand. I know you're changing things in me. I know you're changing things in the church. But God, this is something that I hope so much that even for those who aren't going through this restoration, this reconciliation process, I, I hope that they hold on to the part that says now we are being committed to that message, that we are the ones saying to people, God reconciles, that God heals, that God redeems, that God changes, that God loves so that this can be a safe place for anyone out there that is hurting, that is broken, that is lost, that is just doesn't know what to do next, that this becomes a place where they can show up, feel like they can be themselves, and that most importantly, that they feel loved by us and especially by you. that we don't become afraid to get dirty because we're helping change the lives of many. And for those, God, who are going through the same process as myself, being stripped down, renovated, remind us that this is a process. It takes time. Yes, it's dirty. Yes, it's gross. Yes, it hurts. But once it's over, we find the beauty in the ash and we can last a long time. Help them, encourage them, lift them up let them feel the love that I was feeling in a garage outside at a fire pit I'm so thankful for you and for this passage this passage now has a whole new meaning for me a whole new life to it and I give it to you in Jesus name